Welcome back to Dirty Chai Chats, a podcast all about sexual health, love, and relationships at Tufts. My name is Casey, and I'm back with the second installment of our Care and Dirty Chai Chats collaboration, the Sex and Disability mini-series. Last week, I talked with Katherine McLaughlin about her organization, Elevate Us Training, and how she works to create sex education curriculum for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Today's episode features Frank Vaca, an Elevatus peer educator and support coordinator for the Michigan Disability Rights Coalition. We talk about sexual self-advocacy, inclusive peer education, the overlap of LGBTQ identities with autism, and more. Just a quick content warning, there is brief mention of sexual violence around the 7 minute 30 second mark. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's get started. Could you start by introducing yourself with your name, pronouns, what you do for work, and your personal connections to sex health accessibility? Hi, I'm Frank Vaca. My pronouns are he, his, them. I work for Michigan Disability Rights Coalition. I'm a coordinator for inclusion there. I help train 18 to 26-year-olds who have disabilities, find jobs, uh, leadership development, and also develop their advocacy skills. I'm also a peer educator for the Elevatus Training. It is a phenomenal curriculum that allows you to just follow a recipe as a peer educator. I don't have a lot of degrees, but with that, it allows me to help the professionals um, go alongside them to help them develop skills for those with uh, disabilities uh, to learn a quality, comprehensive, and inclusive curriculum. All right, cool. So next, could you talk a little bit about sexual self-advocacy? What does this mean to you and how is it different from other types of self-advocacy? Sexual self-advocacy is allowing you to speak up what kind of relationships you want and how you want your life to pertain to when it comes to your relationships. Uh, I find it's different from self-advocacy is because you usually focus on more of the housing, transportation, but with sexual self-advocacy, it allows you to see who you want to go live with, who you want to go to travel with. It's a little more broader and a lot more um, focused more on your personal lives. Got it. Yeah, that makes total sense. Talking a little bit about the work that CARE does, we facilitate two main peer education and prevention programs, the Sex Health Reps and Green Dot. So how can we as peer educators who may or may not have disabilities create more inclusive communities and center self-advocates in this work? By putting them on the stage, allowing them to speak their minds, allowing them to run their own shows. Uh, if there's advocacy avenues that they want to explore, helping them uh, explore them, that's what I would suggest. Awesome. Thank you so much for all of that advice. This is something you brought up when we first started talking over email, but I really appreciated your acknowledgement that we are all part of a system of oppression and the best knowledge and training and community building will come directly from peer educators who have shared experiences. So in order to do that, we've been creating connections with self-advocacy groups on campus, including ABLE and Diverse Minds, 
We've also been in contact with the Korean Lab, which is a child studies lab at Tufts that does research on sexual education for autistic teens and adults, and also does trainings for Tufts students to be able to teach sex ed to people with autism. So this is also a little plug, I guess, for anyone listening, if there are other groups or individuals interested in collaborating with CARE so that we can continue to address disability injustice in this area of sexual health. On that note of community connections and intersections. What has been your experience as part of both the LGBTQ community and the autism community? We both want rights. It's justice that we're, I think we're both after. In the LGBTQ community, uh, we face discrimination. In the disability communities, we face discrimination. It's just when we join forces uh, for like housing, transportation, and work, employment, and the right to exist, um, can we kind of cross lanes? And that's what we need to be doing is be joining other advocacy areas and be going for justice and when all our rights and stuff um, can, can be complete. Yeah, definitely. Would you say there are spaces that exist to work to support both parts of your identity or are those still kind of separate things that you've been working to bring together? The sexual self-advocacy movement uh, is for the disability community. It's just growing. Um, back in the 60s, uh, it started with Stonewall to the ADA acts. And it's just growing as we become more uh, adapt to our needs and our wants. Yeah, totally. Something we really wanted to focus on with this initiative at CARE is the overlap of queerness and neurodivergence. I've been seeing a lot of research and conversation around this on social media and in my personal life, so I would love to hear your insight on your experience with this and how this informs how we need to adapt our sex education. Yep, there's studies that some people with autism have a cross-connection with gender identity and sexual orientation. There's more studies to be done around uh, if someone's just um, asexual or on what that exactly that means. And if it's not just a bad thing, it's actually a good thing. It's an identity. Uh, yeah, the world's opening up. That's awesome. It's so interesting with what we know about neurodivergence and disability and what we know about queerness. We live in this ableist, heterosexist framework, and so when people are forced to exist outside of certain norms and required to create adapted ways to live, it makes sense that other structures and constructs like the gender binary and gender roles in relationships sort of fall away as well. And as you said, while it can be extremely challenging to bridge the gap between communities, I think it also shows how important self-advocates are and how important a lens of disability justice is in dismantling systems of oppression. I also want to take this opportunity to shout out another Elevatus peer educator, Pauline Bosma, who works with Massachusetts Advocates Standing Strong to create and facilitate rainbow groups, which are community groups designed for LGBTQ plus people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. There are a few groups in the Boston area already running, and she has a guide for how to start your own rainbow group. We'll be linking that information in a resource guide attached to this podcast and available through CARE. So on that note, Frank, if you have any other resources that you want to share specifically tailored to people with 
disabilities in regards to sexual health and wellness. We'll link your website and anything else you want to share with this podcast. There's a site called End Violence Against People with Disabilities. We are unfortunately uh, set up to be victims and we need knowledge. There's, of course, the elevators training that deals with sexuality education for those with cognitive and development disabilities. Those are the top ones I can think of. Thank you for bringing up the higher rates of sexual abuse and violence in the disability community. Yeah, so it's really important to have accurate sex education and to make sure perpetrators don't continue that victimization too. It's about consent, and we want to also change the narrative that we can have healthier relationships. Yeah, definitely. What do you wish people knew about entering a romantic or sexual relationship with a person with a disability? I'm happily in a relationship for six years with my partner, Alan. He's non-disabled, but I've dated people with disabilities and also non-disabilities. It's just finding that right connection. I wish they would know that we are capable of having a healthy relationship and we deserve to have a healthy relationship. It's just finding that right connection and having others support us during those decisions. Yeah, so what would you say are ways that people without disabilities can be more mindful and inclusive in their dating lives? Don't just judge a book by its cover. Get to know the person, and if they don't agree with you, find someone else um, to speak up with and have lots of memories. Awesome. All right. Do you have anything else to add? Nope, that's pretty much it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to the second episode of our sex and disability mini-series. Be sure to check out Frank's website and the resources we discussed linked in the episode description. And join us next week for our final episode featuring Jennifer Cook, best-selling author and mentor from the Netflix series Love on the Spectrum, as we talk about media representations and navigating college life and adulthood with autism. 